Welcome back to Conspiracy Club. This is your weekly brainwashing. I'm Tom. And I think I'm Amir. I think you are too. It's crazy. I never thought that this moment would happen. We're going to change things up a little bit. A smidge. I think it'll be better, but we'll see. If it's not, then we'll go back. Yeah. Hey, if it's not, you DM me and you tell me, go back. All right, you said that exact word in that voice. Figure out a way to convey that over a tweet. Oh, you read it, son of a bitch, when I find out who you are. No, you're done. Oh, and that person that left that review for us? Yeah, you come, why don't you come on the show, you little fucking chump? <laughs> you tell me your opinion zen. How would I dox you? Yeah, exactly. You left all your information out there. <laughs> you feel like you could hide behind Reddit? <laughs> all right. Just, just talk. Let's just set the scene a little bit for what this episode's going to be. A couple of weeks ago, while I was on hiatus, we talked about Kurt Schilling's bloody sock incident. And this week, with the baseball season now in full swing, we are bringing it back to America's favorite pastime. Here's the pitch. He swings as a long drive to right, and it is a home run for Gibson! A three-run homer, the Tigers lead it 8-4 in the eighth inning. And for this one, we're going to go way back to the 1911 season in a time where the only way to experience the games was to buy a ticket or through the experimental new Playograph. It would still be 10 years before the first radio broadcast and nearly 40 before the first television broadcast. What the fuck is a Playograph? So I was trying to do a little bit of research on this, and I think it was you'd pay some admission fee and you'd go to this place and basically they'd have the diamond, the baseball diamond, and they'd have like... They'd show base runners, and they'd show outs and stuff like that, but that's all you'd see. It was like a depiction of what was happening. So I don't know if you've ever watched a baseball game yeah, on the, TV. Oh, on TV? No, I've mostly been present. I have. Actually, I worked watched the World Series one time. So at the top, it depends on this thing, but usually at the top of the screen, they'll, the have, they'll have the bases, and they'll have the golden bit yeah. will say where there's a base runner. Uh-huh. It was, I think it was a little bit like that, and okay. you actually get to see what was happening. And that was like crazy. And that was like, well, finally, I don't have to go to the game. <laughs> I don't have to go across the country to wherever the World Series is being played. I can experience this in my metropolitan oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. area. Because this is back before it was like, you know, you could watch it on TV and you couldn't even listen to it yet. How would you find out what happened? Did they just like you go by the newspaper? Or? Yep. Because there's like I said, this is even for the first oh. radio broadcast. You'd probably read about it in the newspaper. I feel like you'd be born to shit just to watch. Oh, Tommy moved over here. Like, oh, that's a home run. Watch oh, that one go all the way around. Oh shit. The 1911 World Series saw the Philadelphia Athletics facing off against the New York Giants in a series riddled by rain delays that the Athletics would ultimately win. The Athletics were headed by such superstars as Home Run Baker, with a 334 batting average and 115 RBIs on the season, not to mention 11 home runs. And Jake Coombs, who held down a 353 ERA across 336 innings of work. He was their workhorse, and following him in the rotation were three pitchers who held down a sub-3 ERA. I'd be remiss not to mention that the Athletics also had a pitcher named Boardwalk Brown. The Giants weren't without talent either, Chief Myers and Larry Doyle powered their bats while Christy Mathewson and Rube Marquard held down the mound. Was Boardwalk Brown black? Sounds... Uh, no. Because, really? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's 1911. Yeah. But that sounds like a black So guy. at this point, they had the Negro League. Yep. And then they had... This is before Jackie Robinson integrated it. That sounds like a black man. Boardwalk Brown. 
That's a good name, though. It is. Home Run Baker and Boardwalk Brown. I didn't like Home Run Baker. No? I thought that was his real name at first. No, I wish it was. I don't like that. Boardwalk could be. But Boardwalk Brown sounds like, yeah. If I was alive in this time, I would definitely be watching the Negro League more because I feel like it was more lit over on that side. It had some struggles, but it was interesting. I feel like also with the 1911, isn't this the one, This we're talking about 1911 World Series, just to make sure. This is the one where everyone uh, was uh, paid off. No, that's not this one. Okay, that's not this one. This that one came later. There was the one where it's like everyone like betted on the game and they just yeah. lost on purpose. The World Series was a good one, with two of the games going into extra innings and Chief Bender throwing eight shutout innings, giving up just one run in the ninth and four hits total in the series finale. It was the series that earned home run Baker his name. Off the field, Matthewson was putting Mark Ward, his own teammate, on blast in his newspaper column for giving up Baker's first home run, only to give up another to Baker in the following game. Chief Bender's hilarious. There's two Chiefs. There's Chief Myers and Chief Bender. Chief Why are there so many Chiefs? Well, because you got to think, back then, they were like, ha, Native Americans. I wonder if the Indians were around then. Chief Wahoo. Mm, Probably. Probably. But uh, also, so... He was upset about Marquard doing this, same, like giving up the first home run. He was like, what the heck? Because this is a time where, like I said, he, um, home run Baker, he had 11 home runs, and that was like a decent amount. Yeah. Now we have guys hitting like 50. Which, by the way, why would you go to the newspapers? Like, I just feel like he, he had a column. Isn't that crazy? A baseball player had a Really? His own he had column. a clock? Okay. Because I was going to say, like, wouldn't you just address that in the locker room? Like, hey, pal, you need to knock it off. You're fucking up out there. You hear me? You hear me, partner? That's a whole load of malarkey out there. You need to get your shit together. The funny thing is, Christy Mathewson is in the uh, Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah. As the rest of them? I feel like a I'm not sure them. which other ones are, but I know that he is. I think Home Run Baker is. I'm not sure about the other ones. But uh, it, it seems... That's hilarious. So in the next column, does he go like, yeah, I fucked up too? I think it was probably pretty much like... I mean, shit happens. Yeah. You know, shit happens, pal. It's a load of malarkey, but stuff happens. I get that. Not bad. Not bad. However, the 1911 World Series was not even close to the most exciting series of baseball played that year. It wasn't even the series with the highest stakes. For that series, you'd have to look to Rollins, Wyoming, and a team that would live in infamy, the Wyoming State Penitentiary All-Stars. The team was founded by the new warden, Sheriff Felix Alston, who brought major reform to the prison, including allowing prisoner exercise, a road-building program, and the inmate baseball team. Alston, who by the way was an avid Detroit Tigers fan, believed that physical wellness was a cornerstone in fighting recidivism. Noting that inmates had begun to play baseball for fun in their free time, a prison team was a no-brainer to him. They travel and play other prisons? We'll get to that, but they did not. Oh. Alston was a regular Mother Teresa, at least by Rollins' standards. The warden before him was a cruel and cold man by the name of Otto Graham. He forced the inmates to make brooms, which he sold for profits, and even measured their meals down to the last bean, allowing just enough to prevent them from starvation. So, Otto Graham. That's an old-timey name. Very old-timey. That's, but So he comes in. And he's like, well, he's before, so he's like, 
hey, fuck all you guys. You guys don't get shit. You stay in your... T-. I feel like... Did- he sells these rooms for his own profit, too. This isn't even like yeah. they go to the prison. And he made well, like $250,000 over the course of like... Oh, yeah. That's, of like five that's years like or so. That's $50 million which, Yeah, which is crazy. Also, um, they're selling... Selling brooms just doesn't seem like it'd be as good as you would think. I guess. But I is he also... I guess like, it's probably in a time where people were making their own brooms, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I can just buy one. So I wonder if Felix Alston... So he brings in all these major reforms. Are these reforms that people end up taking into like other jails? Like, are people following what he does? Um, He makes some more that later on that kind of catch on in a bigger sense. Okay. But these ones are not like groundbreaking by any means they're just like good things to do especially compared to what Otto Graham was doing where it was basically like he was treating prisoners like the lowest form of life um, even some of the prisoners there said it was going back to the dark ages Jesus well some people would say they deserve it some people would the townspeople were not much kinder so to see them flock to the team's games was some kind of a surprise Rollins was a town built on old world beliefs about justice. Criminals were regularly skinned, with their skin then being used to fashion souvenirs or shoes as a warning to the other would-be miscreants. They were turning people into belts? Yeah, they were they were hardcore. That was they were all on some Buffalo Bill shit. Shit. If I was Buffalo Bill, I'd be like, why am I getting arrested? You guys do the same thing. Yeah, and it was like, all right, they did it. So you're telling me That's if I town. worked for a jail, it would be okay? What kind of shit? They didn't work for the jail. They just, like, if there was a criminal, they just, like, all right, time to lynch Jesus. you and cut off your skin. And these weren't even, like, these weren't even, like, African Americans. These were, like, white guys that were, like, doing bad stuff. They're, like, you're getting lynched. Hey, to some people today, they still want to go back to that. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, it wasn't like they were, like, super racist, which they probably oh, were because well, it's, oh, it's 1911. Yeah, but I'm saying not. they were just like, we hate you for doing crimes, so we're going to skin you and make shoes out of your skin. Well, morally, people today, like I said, a lot of, not even just a small minority of people, a majority, or not even a majority, but a lot of, yeah, no, a majority of people would want this. Just harsher penalties? Yeah, depending on what you did on your crime. Yeah. Because, like, people are, man, like, if it was anything physical a lot of people would be fine with this like assault or something oh yeah, yeah people are like fucking skin him alive he deserves to be dead and then when he dies they're like let me tell you about how shitty he was on the timeline well some of these people in prison did some pretty rough stuff and some of the people that did some of the roughest stuff are the ones that they were the most okay with really we all come to find out wow so this is man wyoming's already weird as it is I'm actually shocked that this was happening in Wyoming because there's not many people there. But I also feel like yeah, Wyoming, small state. they might be doing that still to this day. Like, what do you like actually know about Wyoming? It's tiny. They have two escalators in their whole state. Yes. A lot of cows. The All-Stars took the field surrounded by armed guards for the first time on July 18, 1911, in a way that no team in history ever had and likely never will. Their 12-man roster of death row inmates featuring three rapists, three killers, five thieves, and a forger were all chained together and marched in front of the dugout where their shackles were removed. They had everything to lose. Every win meant a reduction to their sentences, but errors made by players that would lose the game would mean death. With those stakes, it's no shock what would come next. The All-Stars absolutely destroyed the Wyoming Supply Company juniors, 
The juniors were considered to be one of the best teams in the area, but that made no difference in the Game 1 11-1 route. The MVP of the game was Joseph Seng, a convicted first-degree murderer who went yard twice, including a Grand Slam. His performance was such that he positioned the governor to reduce his sentence from death to just life imprisonment. Following the final out, the prisoners lined up at third base and were handed their shackles and cuffs, expected to lock themselves up at gunpoint while fans still watched on from the stands. This is fucking gross. Well, this is fucking gross. This is almost like people love to watch like the Hunger Games and the Hunger Games universe. They're like, yes, kill each other. They're almost like, yes, die. Well, <laughs> or like, this also, is like the highest stakes ever. They're like, yes, this is the best kind of baseball. Back in the day, I don't know if it was the Mines, but it was one of those groups. Uh, back in the day when they, they would play soccer games, to deter- well, not soccer games, but like games like that to determine who would live and who would die. Yeah, that's fair. So in this, like, I don't know how I feel about you being able to play baseball to get a lesser sentence. Yeah, but what about the fact that if you messed up, you would get an extended sentence? Are you okay with that? Should we bring it back? Is that what you're asking? No, I'm just saying. If you are you don't <laughs> think that they should be able to play for a lesser sentence, do you think that it's fair that they also would then I would, get extended? I'm just going to say, I okay, that is fucked up, the extension part. But I also would want to say that I also would not want to play against a team where people are playing. You never want to play against someone who has who really has less than you to like lose. So it's like the other team. Do you think they they were like, if we win, they are gonna die. Literally, let's like, not even try. Because imagine trying to beat that team. But imagine like, but imagine the Boston care. Red Sox take them out and they're like, "You're dead. But, we are gonna win in a monstrous fashion." But at the same time, would you care? Because you're like, you murdered someone, mate. Yeah, that's true. You're like, man, man, fuck this guy. Hey, fuck him. We're going to win. But at the same time, the other guys are like, dude, if I lose this game, I'm going to die. We got, if the guy, what if you lose because of a guy doesn't like, like he messes up in the game. So that's the thing. That probably raised like bathroom shake accidents. That's what I said. So if you made an error, like a, so error is something that happened in baseball. Yeah, I know that. Um, if a person made an error that would ultimately lose the game for the team, death sentence. Yeah. But do. if you just lost, you got extended sentences. However, if you lost because of an error, oh. death. Yeah, I'd shake him in the bathrooms. Yeah, but you need him, I'm, maybe. I'm like, hey, Jake, you son of a bitch, and just get him like a good three shankings and then leave. He sucks. This whole thing sucks. Interest in the series swept the nation, and a Washington Post headline blared boldly of saying, Slayer scores home runs. The team was really like no other, and that started with the fact they were interracial, long before the rise of Jackie Robinson. But beyond that, the team was stacked with killers and crooks. Though there were some discrepancies about positions played, there was a shortstop who killed his lover's husband, the first baseman who killed and robbed his barber, the second baseman who killed three shepherds, the third baseman who shot, cut up, and burned an old hermit the pitcher who stabbed his father to death with a letter opener, the catcher who killed his brother-in-law, and the outfield trio who combined to rape and kill eight, among others. The letter opener murder is interesting because how did, you know, I feel like it's hard to kill someone. I mean, they're hard, Some of them are pretty sharp. Yeah. Also, that's a lot of, like, did they... That's some hard crimes. How the fuck did they choose this team, I wonder? So they want these people... 
have the nothing to lose. They're all on death row anyways. So let's just see if that motivates them to play better. So you're saying we're putting together a suicide squad. With that attention, it's no surprise what came next with the widely touted event. Gambling. Everyone bet on the games, from the warden to the team's own captain, George Sabin, who himself had been convicted for three murders. The story of George Sabin is also an interesting one. The murders he had been convicted of were considered justified by law enforcement and the town itself, as they were part of major land disputes at the time, and the officer that arrested him was none other than Sheriff Alston, now the warden, who also happened to be Sabin's best friend. As such, Sabin was only given 20 years, allowed to be the All-Stars team captain, and was free to leave the prison as he pleased. When he did leave, accompanied by a guard, he would hit the bars and take bets on the games, earning a 20% commission on every one. He'd provide gamblers with inside information on the team, and drum up more support for the team of cons. Really? Yeah. So he was out here, to be honest, this sounds like a... First off, what do you, how was his murders justified? Uh, so they were land disputes. He was the guy that killed the three shepherders. Oh, okay. So he was like, he walked up there and kill, shot them all to death. And they were like, it's the West. Okay, that doesn't... Okay, it's 1911. I mean, yeah. even deep dive how wild that is. It's like Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah. You know how they're the two families that just yeah. hated each other? It's you like that. You just showed up and you're like, man, you son of a bitch. And just shot all three. This is my land now. Okay. It's, this sounds like a ploy or like him and the new, him and Alston are working together on this because he gets to get out of prison and the warden is his time, best friend. Yes. At any time, plus 20 years, I bet you if they, if they lose, he's not getting 20 or a death sentence. Yeah. Anything each when he gets to take a year off. At that point, would also you... he only got twenty years period for three murders. Where some of these people got had one murder and they're like death bro. Also, would you even want to leave at that point? You're getting twenty. All you got to do is twenty years. You're getting paid. You just chilling. You can leave whenever you want to. That's like a vacation. Yeah. That sounds like a twenty year. And you vacation. get to play baseball. That's what I'm saying. That sounds like a twenty year vacation to me. One man who was not delighted with his position was former warden Otto Graham, who wanted to get his broom business back up and running. Hearing about the illegal gambling from the guards who watched over Sabin, Graham was inspired with plans of sabotage. Graham took this information to his friend, Wyoming Senator Francis Warren, who was planning a run for governor against incumbent Joseph Carey. Carey happened to also be the very person who appointed Felix Alston as the next warden. Warren, with this new information, bent it to his benefit and spouted that Kerry too was involved with the illegal gambling ring. This ultimately failed, however, as Kerry was successfully re-elected. He probably was a part of it. You think so? Yeah. He was betting on the games. We already know. We know the warden was betting on the games. The warden was betting on it. The captain is betting on games. People across the country are betting on the games. Governor going to bet on the games too? I mean, it's 1911. I would. If, especially if I knew something that everybody else didn't know. Yeah. I'd be betting. And this whole thing is just dirty. Yeah. Otto Graham should be in jail, but the rest of this is just dirty. Because he sucks. Yeah. I feel like he's only upset. Because he didn't get all his money. Because he didn't get his money, and also he's not in on the bets. But fuck him. 
So back to the All-Stars. Things were getting tense, as Seng was heating up as a true All-Star despite his death sentence still looming. In practice, Sabin treated every mistake like it was life or death, because it kind of was. When Joseph Gazzardo fumbled two ground balls, he stormed off the field and Sabin screamed at the team about how valuable these games were, reinforcing what he had said came from Alston, that wins meant reduced sentences and losses meant more time added on, not to mention the fatal errors. He's like, you will fucking die if you don't get this straight. And I will lose money. It, it, we're not talking about me. We're not talking about me. We're talking about you. You will die. If you don't catch that ball. It was a few weeks before the All-Stars would play their next game in the series against the Juniors on August 4th. It was another dominating performance by the team in an 11-1 win, where Seng again showcased his talents, going 4-for-4. Four four. They would win their next game as well in a commanding fashion, again scoring 11 runs to the Juniors' 4. You know something is starting to get funny here to me? Hmm. How come they only get to number 11? I don't know. Also, that's three times, isn't it? How many times do, do, do they only face the juniors? Uh, so the, you'll see that this first series is against the juniors. So they're going to play a four-game series against the juniors. Okay. Because I'm about to say, dude, uh, this better not be some goddamn Globetrotter shit. <laughs> but they only get into 11, and it's starting to get a little fishy to me. So it better change up soon. There was still no word on Seng's appeal yet, and as the close of the summer neared, the prisoners began to believe that he was only being kept alive because of his talent on the field. His hanging was scheduled for the 22nd, but on the 23rd, Seng was still alive, awaiting their next game on the 29th. This fourth game brought a fourth victory to the team, but it would also be the last game that the Wyoming State Penitentiary All-Stars ever played. Despite winning all their games, the final in a score of 15 to 10, Alston began to talk about replacing baseball with education for the inmates, and in September, the newly re-elected Governor Carey would institute a statewide crackdown on gambling, writing to Alston about his growing concerns for the gambling spurred on by his team. The block was getting hot. Yeah. Otto was probably still bitching. He's like, shit, we gotta stop this. Plus, I wonder if the guys are like, I don't want education. Do I survive if I read this book? Yeah, that's fair. And I write this report. Like, this isn't going to short my sentence at yeah, all. this is going to kill me, if anything. It's going to get me dead faster. You know, I'm kind of feeling bad for these guys. And then, like, you try to also admit that they murdered someone. Mm-hmm. But it's like, man, especially for Singh, it's like, oh, that's why it would suck knowing which day you're supposed to die. Yeah. Like, they'd be like. Especially because it's like, oh, today's the day. And then you're still alive the next day. You're like, um. What? what? What happened? What's happening? They're like, uh, I'm being used. Uh, not today, pal. Next day. Apparently, Alston got the message and swiftly canceled the baseball team. And even though Sabin tried to calm down gamblers by telling them it was only temporary until the rumors died down, by November, the prison was being praised for its education initiative. The inmates didn't seem to mind, as they even bought Alston a gold watch for Christmas to show their thanks. Seng's extended stay, it turns out, had been worked out by his attorneys, but his time too was coming to a close, as he was executed on May 24th, 1912.
two questions. Okay. Question one. Um, how were they working to like? Was it how do they extend it? And he still dies. Well, it was just like, well, you can keep him alive. We'll keep him alive for a little bit longer. And they're like, I guess it's better than dying now. Okay. And two, how the fuck did they afford a watch and who bought it? That's what I wanted to know, too. I was like, how are they making money? How are they making money? And who was able to leave him by a watch? Saving. Would he do that? (laughs) (laughs) It's his best friend. No. Yeah, remember, Olsen is his best friend. So that's so stupid. That they're like, thank you for being our warden and thank teaching you, us. Thank you for giving I us education. Learned. I'm learning more here than I'd be learning outside. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I'm just telling you how it probably was. This was a, a wacky story. Just, this is why people don't go to Wyoming. So some other accounts of this, there's not a lot of information on this. Mm-hmm. A guy wrote a book that is considered to be partially accurate. It's only like 115 pages. But there's another account that I read from The Independent that was like way different. That said that they won like 48 games and forced themselves into the real playoffs uh, for their like AAA team or whatever team was there. Which I couldn't find anything to support that, so I didn't put it in here. The Independent is wild. Could you imagine if they had played for 50 games? I was like, what? What is the Independent doing? I was like, where'd you get that? They're like, I... Better story. Yeah, I mean, this is, what, this is the one that's getting made into the movie. Yeah. That's definitely gonna... That's the movie script. Feel the dreams. Somebody just put out a movie... Someone yeah. just put out a movie script, and that was it. And he's like, this is what really happened, just to see how people would feel. Then he'd be like, all right, I'm making this into a movie. I'd see this. That's pretty nice. I'd watch it, this. You know what it reminds me of? The Longest Yard. No. What? It's similar. It's they play, they play uh, football instead. Yeah. And they're all prisoners and they can't get out. I forgot why. And there's the the, the, the guards with the guns on the, on the edge of the field. Yeah, okay. I forgot why, whatchamacallit, but did they play against uh, like the prison? The Longest Yard? In the Longest Yard, they play against COs, right? Yes. So did they play against COs? No, they played okay. against a real team. Okay, see? I kind of. So since then, baseball has been used um, as a rehabilitation yeah. method. Uh, there's a notable New York team that we probably could have added here, but I didn't um, because this one's the first one. It's got, they're yeah. like, yeah. they're talking about like way more stakes to it. Yeah. There's one that was in New York, and some of the players were so well-known that I remember reading that Babe Ruth was even familiar um, and talked about uh, some of their players. So it has been used outside of this. This was just the first time, and it was, like, incredibly corrupt. As he puffed on his stick, he was like, all right, yeah, I don't even know him, gosh. Yeah. And I always picture Babe Ruth as a, as a fat fuck. Well, he was. So. Smoking cigs and choking. But yeah, uh, this is interesting. This is a good way to, you know, as a special de- guest to come back, you know. <laughs> but thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. Welcome to the uh, Emir brand. Oh no. Yeah. This good luck getting that at. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was good. I'm interested. So next week, we are going to talk about. The American uh, Diet Law Pass Incident. 
there's a real dialogue pass and that another one that happened in America. So maybe I'll talk about both of them. But we're going to talk about the American one uh, with the focus because it's something people know less about. Okay. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and in the meantime, remember that you can join the club by following us on Instagram and Twitter at Tom and Demir. We post relevant links. We post, uh, we just talk to you there. You can interact with us. You can let us know what you want to hear from us. Q what you thought about, yeah, what you thought about the episodes, um, stuff like that. Yeah, there's a Q&A going on on there right now. So if you want to go and ask me a question because I was in Twitter jail, yes, you go are. ahead and do it. Uh, and also remember, if you enjoy the show, it really helps if you rate and review us on whatever platform you listen. And also, if you just tell your friends to listen. Uh, word of mouth is pretty powerful in the world of podcasting. So if you enjoy the show, spread the word about us. And that is all I have to say. Amir, do you have to say anything else? No, man. Oh, yeah. Like I say, at the end of every... See, I don't know where that came from. But as I say, at the end of every single episode, man... Miami, Miami. <laughs> that should be the new. I'm gonna come out with a Miami, dude. That should be what Wyoming calls one of their big events, Miami. Uh, bring them Miami to you in Wyoming. That's about the farthest you can get from yep. anything remotely Miami. Miami, right there, dude. But uh, man, Wyoming and Save Sabon and everybody else involved in that. They were all food. Terrible food people. But yeah, good night.